This is the Baron Field Experience. Welcome to What is Pissing You Off Right Now with Caitlin Leshook. Interrupting all programs. Interrupting all programs. Interrupting all programs. scenario is that we're just going to ask you a question okay and that's going to start everything off because we don't have any plans i love that which is standard food yeah, yeah. it's yeah. good you the know no pressure experience. to like have no. prepared no, 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 no. i was prepared no yeah <laughs> we're not the we're not the fucking boy scouts <laughs> so we yeah this is the beginning of our series two after the christmas special and the idea was just to do interviews with different people, but then mm. we didn't really have any scenario, but we came up with this idea, which is basically to ask you the questions. What's pissing you off right now, Caitlin? Oh, <laughs> I love that. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the fucking yeah, question. Yeah, well, I, 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 um, I suppose what's pissing yeah. me off is that, um, you know, at this point where I've been doing academia for a little while. I still haven't read nearly any of the canon that I need to have read. Um, and I think that that's something that's sort of presupposed that will happen at some point during your PhD or masters or undergrad. Um, so I've been spending the last few months going back and reading Plato and Aristotle and, you know, getting this foundation that I feel like I should have had before reading all of these secondary commentaries and you know, contemporary thinkers. That's what's been uh, really getting my go. Yeah, <laughs> that's not an uncommon thing that happens, right? No. I mean, and then because you, you look around and say, oh, someone's talking about Hayley and Leslie or someone's, but probably everybody lacks this whole, you know, there's a whole understrata that is lacked that has to become, come back to if you can. Then if you get time, you go teach or whatever, all of a sudden, I still haven't read, you know, all of Hegel or something like that. I still haven't read all of mm. so and so. I think that's a 
See, Not uncommon thing. It no, continues to piss you off. Philosophy is the only uh, is probably the only discourse in which you have to build the foundations too late. Too late. Too late. Building the foundations yeah. after you're already on yeah. a wobbly footing, and so rebuilding those foundations actually makes it worse. So you know, are you really prepared to do this to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's also an inherently disillusioning operation because I find you do it, and what you realise you've got this sort of ego ideal that you know I've got to be a proper scholar and philosopher, and that's why I'm. Giving myself these belated foundations, but then you realize that no one else has them, that they're supposed to, but like that the guys with jobs haven't actually done this. And and then it feels like you've just been lied to, or like like that they glibly invoke Plato, but haven't fucking read Plato or whoever. Well, know? that's that's me yeah. for instance. Once you do go back and read those thinkers, mm. you find out that everything that you've learned is pretty much bullshit, exactly. right? Or has yeah. been so trickled down or so reinterpreted or yes, so, yes. what's the word, uh, fashionized? I don't know. Covered over. Covered over. Covered over. Yeah. 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 Classic covering over. And you're going, so that throws your present into disarray again. It's like, oh, okay. Mm. I remember writing that thing from Derrida around Plato, and now I find out that Plato didn't actually say that at all. It's just like Derrida bending because it worked really well for him. Yeah, or for instance, you know, why have Deleuze and we have Spinoza, you know? Right, right. <laughs> why have well, everyone when we've got Deleuze? Coming on here and being controversial from the get-go. So far in this, uh, uh, in this late foundations in the yeah. air on shaky non-foundations, Caitlin, what has been the most out outstanding revelation to you, if, yeah. if any? Yeah. Well, I mean, for instance, with um, the Platonic Dialogues, I can't believe people focus on what they focus on and not mm. everything else that's going on. Um, you know, like, I, I feel like there's this um, tendency in philosophy to forget that these things are spoken or, or written almost like a play. Yes. And we have these incredible framings at the beginning of each dialogue. You know, like maybe a slave is reading someone's notes or, you know, there are these complex social situations into which these ideas are situated first. So I think um, just the framing of these things mm. is important. So That's much something so. that I've realised. Um, like the symposium mm. with its three prefaces, right? Exactly. Just as an example. But like clearly yeah. there is one foundational text that you need to read which, you know, um, you know, does sort of deal with the framing and the setting up to the dialogue yes, yes. in some sort of way. I, mean, I can't remember who wrote that, but I think it was Richard Kennedy. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, it's right. It's clearly Strauss. There's another book. <laughs> Deborah Nails is the, the yeah, people. I'm, I'm glad you came back in your own way, Kate. That's a. Uh, 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 so it legitimates that other person. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not philosophizing, philosophizing with some nails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Might be able to cut a deal, you know, like today after the episode. Well, exactly. <laughs> that's what, so uh, podcasting is it, it's taken the platonic form in the new, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, a funny thing happened on the way to the university. There were these three ugly guys sitting outside <laughs> of the coffee shop. I there were these stories of Sydney and Absolutely. Penrith, nurseries, strange Asian girls taking photographs. <laughs> <laughs> then Kayla turned up, and all of a sudden, yeah. here we are. So, 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 which ones have you been reading? What have you, what have you discovered, Kayla? Oh, uh, like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, look, I've been reading um, all of the dialogues which are considered canon. And mm. then the dialogues, which aren't as mm. well. Somewhat sort of, arbitrarily you know, not considered canon. Yeah, yeah, you know, and this is all a matter 
of interpretation, yeah. really. Right? Yeah. Um, but, but it's interesting how, you know, even these dialogues, which maybe people want to reject at this point or edit out, they still, again, kind of situate you in the thought that's going on mm. at the time. And, you know, it's, it's something that I think people might have um, written about, but it's, you know, a, a kind of like a spiritual exercise, reading these dialogues, doing one a day, you kind of come out of them mm. thinking in a different way. And it, it, it's nice, it's almost like a meditation. And I've never really had that feeling coming out of reading philosophy before that mm. I've had, you know, with going back to Plato. Really? Yeah. That's an amazing point. Mm. I don't wanna... That's like sort of Loyola's um, yeah. so that's spiritual, what, spiritual exercises. Mm. They sort of had that, they, I mean, I don't know if there's anything to say that they modelled on that, but there's that same sort of impetus towards mm. the taking up and doing as well as, the, you know, the reading and the doing. Yeah. Not, not, not completely dis disconnected types of types of things, mm. and that exercise leads precisely into the reading and getting out of it what was in it, rather than just the scholarly activity of, you know, interpreting for the present or whatever it might be. Like, mm. there's this, I think there's a continuity that is not exposed really across a whole range of those sort of interventions, particularly when I mean, they sort of have an educational e e mm. ethic, obviously, that hasn't been trapped. I don't think you know. This whole, anyway, yeah, mm. I get the same idea. Here's one of the things: you're in the middle of your life. What is going to you? You're on the way to the agora to do your business or whatever. What's <laughs> going to knock you out of the, the and, and you know the, the dialogues themselves sort of stage? They're, they're advertising for the academy mm. aside from anything mm. else, right? Yeah. And so they're meant to give you a bit of a hit. You're in the middle of this kind of like argy bargy of a of a complex, you know, and dense social network in which all of a sudden there's this interruption and. You know, you have to, there has to be, I love the spiritual exercises, there has to be something that shocks you out of your complacency or at least forces you to entertain or engage in a way that you haven't, haven't before with someone you haven't before in a way that you haven't before. As a kind of the beginning, you know, the dialogue's not the end of philosophy, but the beginning, uh, an attempt to restage different beginnings of philosophy and different endings too, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's interesting... As well in these dialogues, I feel like we're encouraged to sit with aporia, mm. which is something that people find hard to do in contemporary academic situations. You know, it's like we've got this problem or we've got this conflict, can we allow it to be without having to come down on one side or the other, or at least allow there to be nuance. Yeah, or at least a, a no clear way past this sort of deadlock with mm. any kind of uh, epistemological probity or something, something yeah. like that. Can you, what would say, have you had a favourite dialogue so far? <laughs> what's, the, what's, the, what's the one most, you're most meditating upon? I, I don't know if it's um, my favourite, but I found uh, Kratulis ah. particularly ah. interesting for several reasons, but first and foremost, um, it, it discusses these ideas which seem to be no longer in vogue and only very recently so. So, you know, this dialogue is saying, is there something inherent to a name that makes it fit a thing? Mm. Or are mm. names just, you know, based on context of what's going on in a particular milieu? And we move through this dialogue and arrive at, you know, a beautiful image of correct names 
almost treating their subject with the paintbrush of the tongue and you know various syllables and each name won't be perfectly matching but good names will have something of this quality mm. right and I, I don't know I, I, I just thinking about the moment in philosophy where everyone's obsessed with linguistics and you know there's the Caesarean like influence on Lacan I feel like we've really left that all behind and it's interesting to kind of come back to these questions which are not in vogue um mm. not really sure what to do with it but it just struck me as something that has passed that's worth thinking yeah. about <laughs> well, this is like the Adamic language in mm -hmm. which everything the name adam names the animals with the right right names after the fall of mm -hmm. course everything's shocked and none of the names actually speak the properly the thing that they're meant to, to indicate so there's all sorts of i guess many different interpretations that are being given mm -hmm. that but the, but the problem of the proper name like the proper proper name is there a proper name which is a, mm -hmm. a magical name for things that grasp the essence of, yeah. that would grasp the essence of, of yeah. the thing like the adamic language I, yeah. I think you're really right to yeah. mention that um the the craterless caitlin it's really interesting to to think about because i i, I want to put something to you I, do you think um, maybe there's a, 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 a question that you can get from reflecting on the Cratylus about not the, the etymologies and so forth mm. that, that arguably are a, a kind of platonic joke that he's mm. doing, you know, one reading is that he's doing a sort of reductio ad absurdum. Fun as they are. Yeah, fun as they are. But I, it, it does make me think, just combining two of your remarks, when, when you think about that habit mostly by analytic philosophers that starting at Oxford and Cambridge who often had at that time less specialist like great excellent Greek and we're doing translations that idea that everything literary is fluff it's mm. the it's framework device fluff of no philosophical importance but we can extract the pure argument and the mm. forms irrelevant yeah. and it seems to me that the, the question of a more appropriate name what, what beautiful thing that you said about the, the paintbrush of the, yeah, the yeah, tonic yeah. does raise the question of the, I suppose, the sonorous, the poetic, the rhetorical, and its relationship to philosophy. That, that maybe one of the things we, as much as the signified Connor Noah philosophy is stupid, but think is, is that you, you cannot re, um, excise in all rhetorical and poetic dimension from philosophy, that at some level it matters. The, the words that you choose to express the idea is is yeah am i on the mm. right track of no, all you're thinking that's yeah. beautiful yeah and i mean it's hard not to see everything through a Badjuian lens yes but you know like there you have kind of the the beautiful marriage of the theme and the poem yes you know we've got something which gives structure and then something which is like you know a parapraxis that that slips out of this formulation yeah Badgie likes to cite that uh, the Cradleus and say that quite famously Plato says we, be, we philosophers begin with things and not words. Mm. Right? But it's not in there. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked very carefully to try and find where exactly that is said there. And the, I mean, there may be approximations, but I can't actually find the, the Maybe the it's in um, Badgie's yet to be released translation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it definitely will. <laughs> It'll have to be. <laughs> Along with all the time Socrates quotes Mao. <laughs> yeah, the usual. <laughs> yeah. 
But, it, but that does come down to the problem of the poets, right? So the poets mm. can make words, they can make the proper word because that's mm. what they're all about, painting tongue painters. Yeah, that they tongue are, painters. But they don't know it and they don't know when they've made the right one. And so a certain accident or accidentality yeah. and non-essentiality necessarily enters into the, 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 the power of the poets who are doing, on the one hand, who have the power to do the right thing and mm. just none of, the, none of the control necessary to actually make it make it so. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, well, it's like one of the examples yeah. in the Theatetus about knowledge. You, you can make your way to the next city, right, but it, you might not know how you got to that city, right? There might mm. be still, mm. you can follow the map or whatever, but that doesn't mean that you know, have knowledge of, you know, that movement. You just could trace it. Or you could have arrived there by chance. There's a whole range of ways that you can get to where you need to go. Yeah. Don't have to be about knowing exactly yeah. what it was that you did. Yeah. Yeah, you know not what you've done. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you, you could be... This is something I got from my, my friend James, James Garrett, but, but it's, it is also in... Just because you've been reading Aristotle... Caitlin, or you could be you could arrive at your destination by being kidnapped by pirates, <laughs> which is a, a canonical Aristotelian example of what an accident is. A Saul Bebekos is like, what's an accident? Well, it's like when you get kidnapped by pirates. But if you arrived at your destination through a pirate kidnapping, <coughs> you wouldn't actually know the route. Yeah. Thanks, guys. How useful are philosophers and pirates? Failing, you know, to putting yourself in the position of being kidnapped by pirates is already a yeah. particular failing. Because sea travels hubris, don't go on the apeiron, right? If you don't want to get kidnapped. Well, same as with Julius Caesar, you know, you know yeah. you then, yeah, yeah, you clear the sea in fifty days after <laughs> that, and you never forgive them. They are all. Yeah. Yeah. Romans, not Greeks. That's right. You have enough. Do you hear the sound of jackboots? <laughs> uh, a little, unfortunately. <laughs> Absolutely. The pirates did betray Spartacus too. So, sorry, the pirates betrayed Spartacus. You can't, that, that's why they're the enemy of all. I haven't actually read that book by Hellraiser, but that formula is is interesting in a sort of uh, Homo uh, the wolf's head, all of those categories that Agamemnon talks about in Homo Sacra of something where you are outside the law, so that anyone can kill you. Pirates had that status in the in the. Legal, that exceptional status in the legal systems of many a uh, sort of 17th century, 16th century nation. Yeah. And seemingly the ancient world. Too. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a land sea. It's where we're back to a kind of the history of the planet as a, a different, the battles between the battle of the uh, meta battle between the sea empire and the land empire, right? Mm. And, and, and the, the Schmidt point is well, that, this is resolved by the English becoming the universal pirates and tra actually conquering the sea. And they're the, that's why they become the, the greatest Im imperium of, of modernity, precisely because unlike all the other land empires or the, the mixtures thereof, they, they govern, they, they rule the seas. Well, Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Britain's never, never, never shall be slaves. That's, that, that, yeah, good, luck that. That. <laughs> good luck with that. Good luck with that. Never again. Or never at all. Or yeah. Well, it's London's drowning, not London's burning. Yeah, right? Right. 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 Yeah, I, I saw this uh, incredible Chinese sci-fi sci film huh. uh, on the weekend called Wandering Earth. Uh, and you know, they're, they're not just thinking land and sea, they're thinking like, how can we move the Earth to get it out of the way of like cosmic disaster? Well, this is and I feel like this is the next. No, this is the next. Yeah. Yeah. So much of this. This is the next. Yeah. You know, I don't know exactly in the elemental mm. line. I think uh, Miguel Vassa said this recently. He said, we've done the land and sea. The 20th mm. century was the conquest of air, of terror from the air, as yeah. Yeah. Dyke says about the First World mm -hmm. War and mm -hmm. the gas attacks. 
So, you know, the 21st century will be the conquest of fire, the element of fire, of the, of the cosmic, cosmic fire, or it will just burn us and we'll die. Right? <laughs> and if anyone's going to do something about it, it will definitely be the Chinese and not, as all of their movies have suggested, the Americans, because like, <laughs> like, like they could stop an asshole. No, well, they're the yeah. poets here as opposed to the philosophers. <laughs> yeah. If you want a new cosmic distinction, they have the power paint, they paint the poetry, Marvel poetry of the skies, mm-hmm. but what can they yeah. I saw they've been making, uh, in China, making um, like Hollywood style movies about mm. the same things that Hollywood makes, yep. has made historical movies on, Second World War, whatever, mm. but from the other perspective. Yeah. Like not a Hollywood America Wins perspective. So then restaging them in a certain way, like the big other, mega the stories. Other side but, of exactly, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But showing actually, well, we, we could say what really happened. Yeah. Rather than what uh, the Americans have led everyone to believe happened. Because, you know, you still see all over the place, everyone's. Americans won the Second World War, all that, all that sort of ordinary understanding. If you get if you follow that, all that, yeah, it still animates so much of the discussion, even about the contemporary shit that's going on, particularly the Russia-Ukraine. Definitely, it was bang about the Soviet Union, like Soviets were Nazis or something now, or and the American slaves from the Nazis, both Soviet and and and, and fascist, you know, all that shit. And they joined but the war because like, they couldn't stand fascism. Right, like, yeah. what about the Jews? Jews? What about the Jews? Yeah, yeah. some yeah. shit. Like fifty years of being told that. Mm. And Nonsense. of course, the Hollywood cinema being global, you know, it's had an astonishing, amazing effect. So to start making movies <laughs> in the exact, in the exact same vein, exact same sort of way. So we're back to the platonic dialogue. How do you get, how do you get solid news <laughs> when you're on the way to the agora to sell your, your fucking pop tree, right? Like, I just want to sell a few pots, mate. Like, yeah. where are you going to get? But I hear the Persians are coming. I hear that. I hear this. I hear that. I, who are you going to believe? Who are you going to trust? How are you going to know when you know, right? Like, well, this is interesting. Um, Badju says this uh, thing about cinema in mm. the imminence of truths, which is relevant here. He makes this intriguing comment that, you know, even though cinema is a true product of capitalism, right? It's like an industry that has come out of a desire to put, you know, bums on seats, sell tickets even a Clint Eastwood film or like a TV show like The Wire can reveal some kind of democratic truth. So, yes. you know, just thinking about what you're saying, Adam, you have like all of these Hollywood films being made. Nonetheless, something comes through sometimes, mm. even mm. though people have various agendas. And I think this is because Absolutely. cinema is such an erratic form in a way. Yes. You can't possibly and control yes, everything. Someone would say, yeah. But like some of those Hollywood films in the 50s and the 60s and so on, if the dialogue in those, because they used to be written by real writers, right? All the guys who, you know, probably like, writers, or The dialogue is so sophisticated and so clever and so doubling, right? There's two or three things going on at once. A million times more sophisticated than anything that comes out of the machine now, right? So even then, there was like, there was in and through that very same cinema, as you're saying, something else was emerging or could be grasped by, you know, if, 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 you, if you could hear what was being said sort of thing, I guess you could say. And, and isn't this also part of the, the crassalus too, is that the words that now no longer refer, that don't mm. refer properly or equivocal or ambivalent, they still retain a trace, however indiscernible or, or obscured, 
of a true root, of a, of a, of a link mm. to something real. Mm. And so even the most like creepy propaganda itself nonetheless retains the trace of a, a kind of, I guess, utopian, mm. a utopian moment or a, a, a moment of, of, no, of, of kind of knowledge is, is possible. Is that, yeah? Mm. Well, we, we say like the words change meaning, but it's not happened. The word stays the same sort of structure which can support the context which gives that word's meaning moves, right? Because, you know, and the idea that a word had an original referent, you know, that's been problematised, right? Very, very heavily, you know, in our, in our era, I guess. But you can sort of see that the words do have that connection, but it's not possible to deploy them in the same way. Apart from the context itself not being there, then no one can recognise what that word actually refers to anymore. So it becomes disused or it becomes, it has to be reapplied. You know, and that always has a, 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 a aspect of appropriation and perhaps exploitation so on. Yeah. So the the the, possi- the reference shifts in a way rather than the it's word, right. and you know. Absolutely, isn't, mm. it, isn't that the problem of philosophy? It's not the problem. We're all using the same words that we've always done and they're just as good as they always yeah, were. Right. But the context that has shifted around them such that the words now have a completely different sort of sense and reference are completely unavailable from within the words themselves. And so, you know, even the, to come back to the etymologizing, uh, maybe for, for fun that Plato uh, undertakes in the, in the Cratylus, mm. it's not to do a kind of... Proto was something that Heidegger would take up, although that itself is interesting. Why you did that now becomes more interesting. Yeah, it's to show that actually time itself is integrated. If we're going to think about the meaning of a word, think about think and its sense and reference. Think over time that the content that Plato is taking that word and shattering it to show that the context is bigger and the context in which we must think. If we're you know if we're doing philosophy, it's not just that of your personal interest. It's not just of the interest of the family or of the city but it must be a cosmic interest because only only thinking at a cosmic scale, which is the philosophical mm-hmm. uh, enterprise process, do you have a context that's bizarrely stable enough in order to to, to come back down and see what the, the sense and reference of words mean yeah. in these in these like hyper differentiated and very complex mini context that nonetheless for us when we use those words seem to be the, the be all and the end all yeah. without even ever appearing as such right? but sort so, of saying, so breaking it to breaking the immediacy of context to turn us towards a pro, uh, to a properly cosmic destiny right? and he's also saying if you're going to do language right as your thing hmm. then this is what will happen it will just explode into this giant thing which you, then you won't be able to get a handle on right but he's also not, you have to go not promotingly no. Linguistic philosophy, no. or philosophy through language in no. that dialogue. But he's not saying that it's it's terrible. He's wanting to say that look to the context, and even within, if you're going to have some consistency within your linguistic philosophy, start. You're going to have to say at some point it opens up into something that it isn't, and is bigger than can be contained from yeah. that position. But you've got to be. That's part of the to come back to what Kane was saying about the dialogues. We're all starting from a partial position. We're all yes. partial. We're all interested. We're all mm. coming from. But how do we all come to think? cosmically together right that's the only I think that's the yeah sorry the, the yeah I don't know about the word cosmically I know. <laughs> that's, that's just I'm totally with you on one hand on the other hand like sun <laughs> yeah. moon stars yeah. 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 and we're thinking even beyond the sun and the moon and the stars we're thinking about the fucking if indeed there are idos or forms that are, well, that are, that are bigger than that or other than the, than the cosmos of the, that is that of becoming, that's where we're at. Well, now you're heading towards the other dialogue. Yeah. Which one? I don't know, one I, one I don't really like. What's it called? 
I don't know what, what about the world making the world oh, the mayor. Oh, the yes. 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 Yeah. So I block yeah. it out yeah. Yeah. it's not my favourite but some of the things you've said like already yeah. seem to be resonating in the way well, that yeah, look, I, I mean, say what do you think about the tomato I was just going to say given this kind of uh, distaste you have for the term cosmic I thought I might you know and you brought up tomatoes there so right. now I can't help but think of Latin mass right because uh-huh. tomatoes you know famously like shaped the Christian texts um, and this idea in Latin mass that no one understands Latin you know in the congregation but the words are working and that's yeah. but they're efficacious yeah. without going through the comprehension yeah. of the parishioners absolutely absolutely just as, as kind of a, a relevant aside to this um, discussion no. but I mean yeah Brian Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, no, I think that's really good, though, Kate. You've raised a, a number of interesting issues. I, I, I want to come back to something Caitlin was saying earlier about the, the obvious bad using thing about the, the math theme and the poem. And it's like, it seems to clearly one of only with the math theme can you get univocity, right? Like, can you get a, a, an actual sort of stability of meaning where it doesn't open up to equivocity? But that's why I think I kind of agree with you, Justin, when you're saying that when philosophy aiming at the truth, the truth is univocal, you want to emulate the, the math theme in its capacity to not just sort of descend into a, a babble or a sophistry. But insofar as you write in prose, this, I, I think this, this makes the line between philosophy and sophistry very, very fine, as Plato um, himself makes clear in dialogues like the sophist. But it's a distinct line. It, yeah, it, it distinct. No, no, absolutely. That's right, absolutely distinct. But why we do, and it's interesting, analytic philosophers often think this is a marker of sophistry, but spend so much time with, well, analytics do this as well, definitions, but also philology in a way, because you made me think of the Gambanian concept of the signature, where there's both, because there's both words changing over time in different contexts, but there's also the signature is interesting where it's like, a word that changes its meaning over context but preserves, kind of sublates some of its original... So, so the perfect mm. example is, is iconomia, right? So whether it's if, it's... if it's talking about household domestic management, if it's naming the persons of the Trinity, and if it's talking about the sort of global, cosmic, neoliberal um, thing, something of that original sense of the household is preserved, even though, of course, the meanings are not the same. And a last point on this, I I just also want to say about the cosmos, I think you all know this, but just etymologically, it's one of the words you can translate as world, like mundus, like uh, saeculum, which have all have different connotations, but cosmos implies reconnected with the word cosmetic, a beautiful order, and sort of preeminently for the Greeks, that means an intelligible and rational order. So... I think interesting things to think about there in terms of the world as something that can be atonal and irrational and what you're trying to understand as a philosopher, which has to be a rational order, even, even, if, even if the world is irrational and the whole point of what you're doing is to, is to sort of hold the idea up against the irrationality of the world. Anyway, just, just kind of riffing. <laughs>
Yeah, I like that idea of all philosophy as a kind of Gnosticism. You know, we have this imperfect, chaotic thing to work with, but have to make a cut somewhere. I hadn't, I hadn't intended that, but I think you're right. Like, no, I think that's, I think that's, I think, I think, I think that's, that's excellent. That, that you know, sometimes you do, and I was very bad to use it, like affirming, like the idea that's kind of against. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the implementation of non-ideas as governing non-principles of the actual, actual world. There is something a bit Gnostic about mm. that, yeah. But, but less wacky. Fewer, fewer, <laughs> fewer archons and jailers and stuff that sounds like Scientology. Yeah, see, that's true. I mean, the Gnosticism is basically just a straightforward description of contemporary neoliberal surveillance society, sure. It's pretty, like, like, everyone like, a jailer, yeah. archon on archon, is yeah. the, where, where is the person, where is the agency? Wisdom's lost, the, 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 the rules, Satan yeah. is the prince of this world. <laughs> like, you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't tell that wacky, does it? Yes. But um, the, the other thing that I found really interesting in Timaeus was the passage about the wandering womb. Ah. Um, <laughs> the Easter. Yeah. I found this really fascinating. Um, I, w- I was thinking about endo. You know, a lot of people yeah. are talking about this endometriosis. Yeah. Um, and, and this kind of is an instance in which we literally have a case of the wandering womb. It's, which is what hysteria comes from, of course. Yeah. It comes with the word for uterus and hysteria. Yeah. Only mm. women can have it because their internal organs have become detached and moving around the insides of their bodies. It's so incredible. This is a, right? yeah, that's yeah. A, that is hysteria uh, stricto senso in its whole. Yeah, hysteria means womb, and, and that's Freud was one of the first people to say. Look, right. men can get hysteria. The, the etymology yeah. is irrelevant to the to the. Yeah, to yeah. Back to the yeah. Sorry, go on. But no, it's, no, it's almost like the the Platonic conversion of this is literalized in. It's properly kind of cut, but it, it's weird we get that reaffirmation of like a biological form of this in that. Absolutely. Idea, Absolutely. You know? Really Absolutely. interesting, because actually, can, maybe you can speak about this, because I've, I've heard you say something about uh, before about Slaughter Dyke's theory of, of, of spheres mm-hmm. and, and the. Uh, as related to different historical epochs and endometriosis in those. So can you, can you mm. tell our listeners a little yeah. bit about this? Yeah. Oh, Brian, when you said I've heard you say something about I was like, oh, God, what did I say? <laughs> 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 what did I say? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I mean, Sloterdijk is uh, really interested in, in this idea of the womb and as all our activities mm. individually or socially is trying to reach for the ideal conditions of the, the rebuild, womb. Rebuild the womb, right? the lost womb. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Where's like money? a I house, yeah. a, a social situation, mm-hmm. you know, a set of ideological Blankly. ideas are all yeah. immune Don't systems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a man cave, yeah. but also, but I also imagine a city, a, like, yeah, yeah. All the, these sort of anthropocized spaces. Is that, is that yeah. right? I, I yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's yeah. The, the basic idea. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I got interested in Sloterdijk I think because he had this pre-existing discussion of immunity. I mean, other people like Derrida and Agamben mm-hmm. have written about this, but um, you know, he's got this big trilogy on immune systems, mm-hmm. and it's like this this set of ideas that have been prepared for you know the COVID time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, yes. When you just find this this kind of discourse, and then think about 
or returned to this, you know, language. Absolutely. Mm. And, 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 and so, what, you know, there, there's several sort of further things. One, just the, as you said before, for the literalization in, in, let's say, in sexuation, mammalian sexuation mm. regarding the womb. So I, I guess there's a, some questions just about the materiality of that. And historically, mm. I, I think we could very quickly say the, the, the famous misogyny of philosophers. What mm. Does, mm. That, that, that would be one, yeah. one line, I guess, of, yeah. of, of questioning around this. And then the other thing that I guess I'd, I'd like to ask around that is, because of course a womb also presupposes another sex, a, a secondary mm. one, or but it, re, it also requires entry, exits and entrances, <laughs> if I can put it, put it like that too. And so mm. that would be that, you know, you know, if you ever totally uh, become hermetically sealed, the function of the womb itself is destroyed, that we're very, mm. you know what I mean, the kind of paradox of that. So those two things, one, the, yeah. the kind of sexuation and the literalization through that kind of mammalian philosophy, mm. which has been ignored, and then on the other hand, the kind of abstraction of, Invaginations of exit entrances, holes outside, porosity, mm. and so forth. Sorry, yeah, so that... no, it's it's really interesting. I mean, like Sloterdijk, um, just on the second point, speaks about the womb not changing, but our relationship changing to this idea of the womb as not just being an exit, but then an entrance. Right? We don't just leave the womb; we then go back to the womb. And you know, this is a way that we even start to treat land right with mm. the kind of neolithic turn it, it becomes a source that we extract right. things from you know it doesn't just produce us we go back to it for truth or for identity yeah does that make then would something uh, this could be completely insane and I almost can't believe I'm phrasing a question this way but because I want to sort of go are mobile phones endometriosis <laughs> by which I by which I mean not literally in the sense that like uh, you, you know the, you're carrying the yeah. your sort of connection to the womb like structure with you or what would worldwide womb yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good that's yeah Right, right. What happens with endo is mm. these cells that are no longer in the womb respond to the womb. They ha. start bleeding in other places in your body. Yay. You know, so it's kind of like, I think the, the pager is a good Brilliant <laughs> And of course, you're being paged, but there's no way of actually there's taking, no way the, of call. taking the call. You're right? looking yeah. Yeah. Where's my phone box? Where's yeah, the phone box? Like, yeah. well, which <laughs> pockets but, are empty? But, but they're in community. <laughs> In communication, but also in communicado mm. simultaneously, and that is uh, yeah. Wow, it's like a bodily a hysterical bodily event. It in is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How does that? Uh, can you say some more then about the the, the problematic, the say the sexuation, the notorious mm. say misogyny of philosophers, or and or of the the resexuation that might have to happen in or philosophy itself, yeah. taking this seriously. Mm. Like, I mean, uh, to, to kind of reframe your question in, in terms of what uh, quote-unquote pissed me <laughs> off, <laughs> I, I, I think that there's a really complex um, issue around precisely reading the canon and the historic kind of misogyny of philosophers or you know, a culture that has only produced a body of works by male philosophers. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, right, because I think a lot of the time people want to redirect 
your attention toward, you know, for female thinkers. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's important to do, but you also need this foundation, right? You can't not pass through it. Um, and I, I think that even in reading Plato, I've been focusing on, okay, what is the role of the woman in these Yes, dialogues? yes. And it's actually surprisingly quite radical. Definitely. What's proposed, like Adam, you mentioned Timaeus, and in this dialogue, you know, someone's describing the perfect city that someone's cousin's uncle's wife's brother's <laughs> son heard about, but then it was destroyed, right? And, and in this city, there is equality between the sexes, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this issue is also treated in Badu's hyper-translation of the Republic, right? We get, you know, more female characters put in. Um, but yeah, this, this question of gender is problematic around precisely this issue of the canon, I think, yeah. you know? That's really... Um, it, it, I, I think it, that was a, a, a really um, sophisticated way of, of, of putting that, Caitlin, because, because yeah, it, it, it does seem to me that there's this dilemma, tell me if you, if you don't think this is true, where people are like, okay, so the canon, it's, it's uh, you know, it's too male and so forth, and there are all of these exclusions, and then sometimes active... Schopenhauerian misogyny or or whatever, but but as a as a woman in philosophy, then then it's it's like you've got this choice that seems to be a double bind. It's like well, no, you can you can do the sort of restitutive work of justice, and we're only we're we're writing on forgotten female figures or like Hypatia or your so forth or contemporary women philosophers of, of whom there are many and and excellent ones. But then it's. It, it's like, but but then are you kind of ghettoized in, in in that you get this? But therefore, the canon is not for you in the name of this yeah. residue of justice. You, you you know you can't read Hegel and Plato and whatever, and then people patronize you for not having done so, right? Like so, yeah, yeah. How, it, do you well, see that, that there's an expectation of a woman in philosophy, right? Yeah, to make the choice or perform. On yes, exactly. already to say that this misogyny continues. Pre oh, precisely. Right. Which is not. And, and it's that that choice, that double bind, is not put on one as a as no. a dude in, in philosophy. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I think um, a lot of courses that I've taught across make a real effort to include yeah. female thinkers now, which is excellent. Um, but even the way that they're included is often framed um, explicitly as doing so, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, okay, it's two weeks on with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're doing um, <clears throat> existentialism. So we're going to read Simone de Beauvoir this week. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's Sartre's lover. It's kind of, yeah, it's a really interesting question and, and sort of having to write in these defences to, to Nietzsche's mm -hmm. misogyny, for example, in a course on Nietzsche, mm -hmm. which is good to do, but... Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, it's so self-reflexive whenever we do this, whenever just straightforwardly looking at these issues or thinkers, it's always um, signposting as well. And that's not necessarily a problem, I just sometimes wonder about how complex that framing is, right, for a student mm. who hasn't yeah. understood these concepts to then be like layering on all of these questions which are worth looking at in and of themselves. Yeah, there's often a conceit, I think, sometimes, like I've seen this done in literature, like, 
you're already in thrall as an 18 year old to the vast white male canon but it's like no i've never read a book it's not like it's not like it's not like oh no but it's only just been this steady diet since you were four of tolstoy and dickens and play was like no that hasn't happened but you know you get to yeah no, it's like I'm, I'm teaching uh some year 11 in philosophy again and i've got about eight students and so the first thing i asked them was you know well, how much have you read none yeah why did you choose philosophy basically whittled it down to it was the least egregious choice left that I had so like okay so one thing okay so where do you because it's a problem like where do you actually start indeed I mean if you go to university there's a philosophy course where you choose that but it's set up but if people have never actually read any philosophy and you know I went around and asked them what they knew about it of course it's been hardly anything of course because it's just one of those things that make a choice that chose philosophy and so then you go, how do I teach philosophy from the very beginning? Mm. Like, mm. Where do mm. you start if you have to start? You know, I'm thinking of all these, you know, these, you know, Deleuze says you start in the middle, you know, Hegel goes, you to similar, similar, yeah, similar sort of yeah. thing, you know, in wonder, what's wonder mean? You know, mm. this idea of the encounter, you know, that you, well, you've got to have a master, you've got to have an encounter. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> how do you transmit <laughs> any of these you, things? Do you break your hammer? Do you pick up some scissors? <laughs> it goes on and on and on, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole... But these are all allegories of the necessities of exactly. by pirates. But pirates, whose yeah. only interest is actually to re re-educate you rather than rob you, right? <laughs> so the impossible, the impossible pirate. You need to be, yeah. So, and, and so what was your pirate like? How, how were you apprehended? This is my question. This is my question. How did philosophy read your life? Yeah. philosophy is not dissimilar to what Adam described mm. and I mean there is a, a long history of philosophers as failed musicians right we've got Nietzsche's horrible <laughs> 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 we're so we're so we've got Jews, you know brief affair with the flute um, <laughs> well, well failed artists in some ways yeah, well, yeah. novelists exactly. poets etc yeah. 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 yeah so I, I went to uni to study jazz guitar Oh, I did not read it. And I couldn't quite cut it, right? It was very competitive. And then I was doing this <laughs> arts degree and seemingly just could do philosophy. Yeah. And I've grown to like it, no, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just go back over <laughs> to the jazz guitar? <laughs> jazz guitar because it's the first time I've ever heard that sequence of signifiers <laughs> come out of a human being's mouth oh, and I'm, really? I'm not enjoying it I right. have to say it needs a bit more, <laughs> 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 a, a bit more membranes yeah, that yeah, like yeah, protected yeah, from yeah, the horrors yeah. this is some Adorno-esque thing the classical <laughs> classical <laughs> guitarist over there <laughs> the jazz guitarist over here <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know. so what is this jazz what is this jazz guitar <laughs> It's teaching, it's teaching a submission, like, yeah. three quarters of the way to fascism, obviously. On the intro to the Baron Field thing, you can hear Justin playing basketball yeah. in the background, you know. Um, <laughs> sorry, I've just been fucking psychoanalyzed. <laughs> but successfully, I'll this be, is the end of analysis, Justin. Thank you all. You're welcome. Brian and I, I are not uh, occupying the place of, of not knowing. We actually know. That's so right. <laughs> Well, then I'll forego paying you. Yeah, that's right. You don't need to pay us, Justin. We get plenty of pleasure and joy out of this. Can we return to the 
<laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yes. Back to the jazz guitar. <laughs> A tonality, like, is that not nihilism? Is that not like. Yeah. Um, no, but that, that, that's what you call a good failure. I mean, because you get mm. you move into a philosophy where you pr- properly, yeah. properly belong. Again, says, sorry, Kate, mm-hmm. very, just very quickly to that, because there's one line again says, I think, like, that every, every vocation is a revocation. Mm. And says that about his own relationship. Like, if he's studying law or something, you have to give something up to do. Should have been persecuting Jews, and now look at you. It's a blog. fucking donkey in the desert. And to find a place with snakes in your heart. Quite a few winners. Yeah. But um, no, I think I, I also think there was another reuptake of philosophy later, right? Because where I studied at Adelaide University, the units on offer were very much focused on moral philosophy, yeah. and I did all of them, and I knew there was something I liked there, but I wasn't quite sure what it was, and so mm. moved more toward literature, and yeah. then yeah, well, when I came to Melbourne Uni. I discovered, you know, all of these continental thinkers through that reading about Beckett and, you know, I was like, oh, okay, here's what I was looking for at that time, but I didn't know what it was, right? And, you know, it's it's interesting in the world that we're in because everyone's concerned with the idea of how do we apply philosophy? And I feel like, you know, at, at that time, 10, 15 years ago, it was very much we apply philosophy to ethical questions. And now I think there's been a shift to art, right? Like mm. a, a lot of philosophy is done in literature departments or art departments. That mm. goes back to the thing about the canon, right? So you do basically the analytic program at a university, right? With that mm. moral ethical stuff, which is sort of the flavoursome bit, right? But then, of course, there's this whole thing lacking in you. And once you've gone through that, you know there's a massive lack that has come with that transmission, right? Mm-hmm. So what you do, you go to literature, right? And you find out through literature that there is all this other philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so that move from the literature, or from the analytic, which is sort of moving away from into the literature, which takes you into philosophy, mm-hmm. means that there's a whole mass of things you don't read mm-hmm. because they don't get taught in the analytic stream, basically, either. And, of course, literary people are more interested in the types of philosophers or philosophy that as a... A theoretical appropriation, I guess, for that sort of discourse. It's a way to miss that. I think it's, I have a similar, I guess, through the university mm. trajectory, a similar thing, right? I took some philosophy stuff because I wanted to do philosophy, but found it was shit and did lots of literature and stuff in it as well in politics. And then through those, got back into these other figures, mm. which I didn't really you know, have to discover. And but then I hadn't read like heaps of that Plato, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I hadn't read, properly read Plato until you know I decided to do mm. that for what for for you know. Working on Badu and that you know you know and then then you slowly read other stuff but you know certainly not all Kant not all Hegel not all Spinoza just dipping in and out bits and pieces that sort of same as you like but th- that sort of drifting is I think is common you know and it's very you complex can, if you're doing European so stuff right music to morals to literature to metaphysics and that's a kind of real 
yeah. trajectory, right? Oh. In which every bit of it is both yeah. a both a derangement, a failure, yeah. a, 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 a shift, a, le a, a leaving, a revocation, and then a, re a return in another way to something that's at the heart of all of us. An, an insistence of, of desire of some kind, because this yeah, would be, minus yeah. the jazz guitar, my, my story won't, won't bore you with the details, but would be similar, same, same with that, of, of, of lots of people. But I, I think... To, to connect that back to the question of flu. <laughs> 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 what was your instrument of choice? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about <laughs> Did you go to school for enough to have music classes? <laughs> right? like, it was like, like, to me, music classes are like, music classes are like rowing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, how oh, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, no, I'm being stupid, I'm being stupid. But, but yeah, nothing at my school. Like, yeah, exactly, right? So, so. Barefoot, snow, all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Same for you, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, well, I, I don't know about the snow. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> um, but uh, it, 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 I think it connects interestingly to, to the earlier questions about canonicity and, and gender because I think every encounter with a, a, a canon is going to be a late one, right? Because if you do, especially the philosophical canon, if you, do, if you, do, if you study philosophy at university in, in somewhere like Australia, it's you do analytic philosophy, and what you you're mostly not reading books per, at all, canonical figures. You're you're getting lectures on arguments where they'll be you know don't yeah. worry about the book because we fixed it by, well, by expressing the these things came in essay form. If thinking most no, of those main analytic the well, main analytic stream you that they make you follow that's just essay. That's what exactly what I'm saying. But it means that on the that, that they can do something on this that's much better about the gender question, which is like if you're looking at just academic papers written in the last couple of years because whatever's most recent is best, much easier to have have yeah. sort of gender parody. But I think it's I think it's made Well they have genre parody. Genre parody Parody. Parody rather than looking at the Gender parody, genre parody. Very good. I love it. I love it. That's clear. That's genius. Yeah. No, no, that was worth that was worth spelling out. But I think it's therefore interesting that that, you know, I, I think the conceit there is, well, so surely, because this is more progressive, you would rather, or particularly a woman would rather do the analytic thing where, which has parity and so forth, rather than go back to these dusty old uh, books by, by, you know, old misogynistic dudes. But I think, I think the, 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 the fact is that that's clearly not the case, that there is something, which we're talking about, I just think, worth reflecting on that, brings all of us to, you know, go and look at these canonical texts. But it's, it, it, it can't be, it's not like this is the thing that is drilled into you as part of your, your ascent to cultural capital. Mm. Like, I think it's fun, in a sort of journalistic sense, universities are often taught like this, but this is not the experience of university or education of anyone I know. That, no, because, yeah. Caitlin, you're, you've just said you're now reading... The canon on your own time, which yeah. the university precisely seems to presuppose yes. and actually yeah. excludes. But then, precluding yeah. yeah. you, know, you know, can you, can you see, yeah, is there, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. 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 yeah, it's it's interesting in the Australian context as mm. well, mm -hmm. I think. Yes. Um, because as far as I understand it from people of, you know, another generation or from Europe, there, there also is this idea that culturally you will be educated mm. outside of the university, yes. mm. outside of school, and that this ground will be shared. 
and and given. Definitely. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I was in Europe, but when I was there, you, you know, you could talk to people about these sorts of texts who weren't necessarily working in academia. Oh, very much so. Um, and, you know, like the, the kind of cultural cringe that we have in Australia, I think, makes us double down on this um, apologetic mode where we're all, all working on the surface, Absolutely. you know, working with these very nuanced arguments and, and avoiding that centre. Yeah, yeah. A.D. Hope said this, you know, second-hand Europeans polyolate. That's mm. where we're <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> great. Yeah. Justin's always had this idea also that it makes you, and I think pretty much everyone we know is sort of like this, it makes you, you have this sense of that, yeah. what you don't have and what yeah. you can't ever get, and then that idea of the cringe that it might, it's better elsewhere. Mm. And that sort of makes you, if you still want to continue work even harder mm. oh, than other people have to because they have this thing which is shared and given where you don't mm. and you're aware of that yep. and you want that but you can't get it so you have to do it yourself sort of thing or you know with, yeah. with a few others mm. so this weird thing about this you know Australians yeah. in this position you know uh, and not to get to be because fuck that, like that's why we're better than almost everybody. But, but I was going to say, except maybe Lubyana. You know, but, but I was, I was going to our sister, our sister uh, city. I, I was going to exactly, exactly that, Adam. We're, we're, we're thinking on this on the same lines. That yeah, we, there was a, a conference a bunch of Australian friends of ours, etc. We're at with a bunch of Slovenians, and and there was great solidarity between the Australian Slovenian contingent because it was kind of. What we're doing is not kind of culturally endorsed or part of a kind of mainstream tradition of passing like cultural capital onto the bourgeoisie. No, and so it's a wild, insane thing to be doing that no one thinks is cool <laughs> or, 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 or takes or, notice of generally or, or, or gives a shit about. Yeah. And, and therefore, and, and at its best, of course, at its worst, that can lead to you know parochialism and stupidity and all the things we cringe about. But at its best, it's like there's some and of course, let's be honest about this. Like which we which we you know like like this the <laughs> the cringe has a basis in reality. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. at its best, it's it's like you're you're not. For example, I we I met Europeans jaded by their fabulous canonical education right it's like yeah 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 yeah. i read all of that stuff in school because i had to and yes i remember it because i had to take exams on it but it kind of sucks right like now i want to make money or whatever so it can't play the role of this sort of obscure object of desire that it does for like idiot australians <laughs> and sort of it's like who are still chasing whatever this is following this insistence right, of the desire, of the empire reason. Yeah, yeah. And Socrates is an idiot. That's yeah, the yes. video is properly an idiot. Yes. Or, 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 uh, and also, I mean, there's a couple of things. First of all, you know, as, as, uh, to use the image of Walter Benjamin's too, you know, you know, all of these documents of civilization are documents of barbarism, and you need mm. to get them off your backs and put them to use. Mm. That's a, that's another thing. Can they be put to use? Yeah, yeah. Just wrecked. And to come back to what you were saying about cinema too, saying you know better stuff than the bad new things than the good old things, which has a yeah. sort of continuity with this too. And so I guess given that we're I guess we're agreeing on this and with our own sort of particularities and stuff. Well, where to from here, Caitlin? Yeah. What, what, what are you what, what are you gonna, what are you going to take off your back and put to use in in terms of this? Yeah, you know, the, the, this reading that you're doing. Right? Mm. The, well, you know, now I'll be able to fail better at the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the same yeah, tasks to grow a faculty in this. 
from the ass end of it, like <laughs> shitty to the ass end of it. Like, yeah. That's how it's made Yeah. No, but I, look, I think it's, um, it's partially to do with uh, what Adam mentioned in terms of Badu's recommendation for an education, right? You've got to break with a master. You have to have a good master, but then you also have to break with him. And I think, you know, after doing my honours and masters and now PhD on Badju, I'm trying to, to read these texts to kind of move away from, you know, that lens. Because mm. it is really difficult when you get inside one thinker and you know mm. them, their work intimately to frame everything in those terms. Yeah. And it becomes almost the goal to be able to perceive a critique or take a critical position. Um, so I guess really what I'm looking to do is undermine all my like existing yeah. like, <laughs> assumptions yeah. and I'd like to take every opportunity to uh, do yeah. so. Yeah. So, so if we can recapitulate the, the, this kind of weird story that we've been telling, which sort of is both absolutely unique for all of us and yet we, we sort of share is the accident, how you accidentally come to philosophy through a kind of failure, work yourself into it and now consciously you have to break, right, to do yeah, that break to yourself again in a second way. And this time this second break is a self-conscious one with the very mastery that enabled you to get to where you are now. Is that, is mm. that, would that be a reasonable? Yes, uh, I've gotten myself into this mess and now I've got to get myself yeah. out. But see, this is, the, you know, this is interesting to me because we've, se we've seen instances of this, right? But Well, first I want to say that I, arrived at a similar point, Caitlin, but I decided to stay inside uh, the whale. Yeah, I'm staying inside the whale. I'm not interested in going anywhere else, right? I've, I've, I've Maybe stopped. I feel like a sponsor or something. Yeah, you can, <laughs> and you can throw me a lifeline at some point. This is what we call the Baron Field experience. Are you crazy? And you is anonymous. But yeah, this taking leave, and particularly, I mean, it's not uncommon or all sorts of masters, but you see quite a few men who've been very close to Badu, who then have found this way to take their lead, which is mm. essentially to, uh, we have to slaughter kill the, the master, kill the daddy, right, in all these sorts of ways. There's several figures. Kachin. And, 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 and yeah, many who've done this, and you see their yeah. a response, or see their way of taking lead, right? And it's mm. very, pretty much, pro like, primordial, right? It's, it's very exciting. Exactly, it's all yeah. that sort of stuff. So, you know, in your idea of taking leave of the master, what do you sort of perceive of that to be? Is it necessary to yeah. kill him or is there a different way to do it? Do you think, you know? Mm. I, I think, you know, in approaching something like this intellectual exercise, I want to avoid the relationship of, you know, the art critic to art, maybe. Right. Like, this is yeah. a useful metaphor. Someone yeah. who doesn't just negate, but also produces something. I mean, and this is kind of a formula is, you know, useful in thinking through all sorts of issues like politics. You can't just have a critique, you also have to have like a, a positive program, otherwise you get stuck in this this horrible position. And I think, you know, the, the biggest question really is what is it to think? What is it to have a thought? It's always going to be informed by what you've done and what you've read, but, you know, to, to think, you know, with wings rather than scissors or something to kind mm. of... Mm. Uh, I, I, I think... Um, I sometimes think about uh, 
why more people don't do philosophy yet. And because I'm going to sort of vaguely Ranzierian, Badusian premises around the, the sort of equality of intelligence, you know, it's certainly not, oh, because you have to have this special genius brain in order to do it. But sometimes when I, uh, an answer therefore that I can come up with is the seeming masochism of exactly the, the kind of necessary operation that you're talking mm. about, right? Like, so you don't know, so your wonder, your desire, whatever, sends you down all of these paths of failing better where you accumulate. But, but then you, you can and sort of must, like, undo that in order, it, like, not out of necessarily this, that sort of silly, eatable, betrayal th uh, thing that we're talking about, but almost precisely to be faithful. To your, to your master, right? to, to make it sound like a, a, a Nietzschean thing, right? It, it, it doesn't have to be this sort of cheap inversion where you write a sort of tell-all scandal, like I remember the scandal, but I remember Babaji said this thing and he's really kind of a dickhead. But, but no, it's like, how can I seize these possibilities and continue the, to think in, well, in emulation? Of, we went back to the idea of aporia, really. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, because that is always the arrival at a position whereby you don't necessarily have a positive knowledge but you know you've solved a whole range of things you don't need to go back to mm -hmm. so you have arrived somewhere right and so if you think about it in that way right you get to this point where for you with Badju that this is you know I've exhausted this trajectory with Badju right me and him together and everybody else that's it you can't I can't go any further so here's the point where I'm at and um, it's that point where you recommence right so you that's the end point with Badju but it's also the starting point of whatever there else is to to, to come to that's how those, like, you know, that's in how the Timaeus starts, right? One, two, three, where's the fourth that we left off here yesterday, right? Mm. And they left off at a certain impasse, which they need to revisit in order to begin again. Mm. And that might be a better image, particularly a philosophical image, mm. and so one rather than this psychoanalytic sort of slaughters no. of the father we, mm. we see everywhere else. Well, you know? one, I want yeah, to totally. just add one more thing to come back and to once again under, to ask you, not as the representative of all women here, that's right. but basically, <laughs> at one stage in a, in a, in a talk to, to psychoanalysts, uh, Badju says, you know, I come to you as a philosopher, as a faithful son of philosophy, but why does philosophy start with the parasite of, mm. you know, Parmenides by Plato? Mm. I come here as a faithful son of the parasite, right? Mm. And I wonder since that's, that's an incredibly strong masculine line with all of the aporia and paradoxes and Badger expressing that really incredible way. Is there, is there a formula that you can give as a, as a, as a woman in philosophy doing philosophy that, that takes up these, mm. these you, you, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I feel more like I'm moving through whatever aperture mm. there is mm. in these things, mm. you know. Um, these places where there, there is light, you know, where there might historically not seem to be. And mm. I think that's always the, the challenge, right? When mm. coming back to these spaces that are so loaded already it's like where is there something that i can can use by going back to the beginning mm -hmm. mm. i think this is something like you know in the style of someone like a gambin mm. right you know i'm gonna go back mm. to this origin point yeah, yeah, and yeah, show yeah. you that yeah. it's perhaps different to what you thought or yeah. there's a there's a way of moving out of this mm. and so it's a way of moving as much as anything mm. else as, uh, uh, yeah know. like thinking about which is the opposite of an right. aporia really yeah. because an aporia <laughs> is a stalling you mm. stopped 
can you find a way of moving through the aporia that doesn't require these sorts of that's is that mm. the, to yeah, turn the aporia so, into yeah. an aperture or something I like that that's a nice that's, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful that's and it, it interestingly involves going but I, I think touches on the question of, of canon again because I think when when people sort of say that in the name of some emancipation or whatever you, you should give up the, the can. I remember as a young person having this this great resentment about, but one, this is something that I've never had, mm. so there's nothing to give up. But also, two, mm. I think precisely maybe motivated by political conviction in the, in the, in the present, right around existing injustices, like feminist ones or, or others, I, I think it's like you're denying me the chance to go back and see roads not taken and to see these kind of apertures, the apertures, that there's something about um, wanting to do things in the present, even to, this sounds very Gambinian, but to like see the contemporary properly that I think requires you in some sense to say, to, to go to the past because otherwise you, you what is, because illumination is a, is a sort of effect of power right if you try and just look directly at the contemporary and what you you do is the light that you know what is dominated the contemporary sheds on everything and i, I feel you, you getting away from that light a bit like my image is sort of dark room dark room with little holes in it is where you can see the light come through the apertures and, mm. yeah mm. yeah it's just thinking of that beckett um work lessness yeah yeah and you know you have all these creatures crawling through the mud and then mm. at the end the blessed days of yeah. <laughs> you know yeah and it's an image Baju turns to as well there's a really beautiful footnote in logics of worlds but i mean hopefully i'll get my own Metaphor for this. Yeah, no, I love it. That's, that's yeah. perfect. It's what, for us, perhaps we should. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful place to end. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Excellent.